the power of God's name does three things. As we move into part three, the power of a name, it does three things. The, the, the power of God's name, it influences and it commands and it has power over one's behavior. It commands influence over your behavior and conduct. <laughs> the power of God's name does what? It, it, the power of God's name has the ability to act or to produce on behalf of the believer. So when I understand the power of Jesus' name, when I understand the power of his Father's name, God, it allows me to submit to the authority that produces things on my behalf that I am unable to ever produce. It commands and it authorizes and it gives God permission to have influence in my behavior or conduct. The power of God's name allows influence to be placed in my life. The power of God's name allows me to be swayed <laughs> towards him the influence that he has in my life. I want you to go back to the book of Romans, chapter number 12. I want to just settle here today on verse number three. We're still in this, in this prayer series. We're still in Matthew, but I just wanted to really just build this model of prayer languages that we've been teaching on with the Lord's Prayer. And we're in a season where I really believe the Lord really wants us to just be patient, just really teach and model this. We taught on last week, what does it mean for God to become holy? What does that look like for God to, to become holy in my life? It means that he has to, it means that my life must be separated from the sin issues my life must be separated from anything that is impure, unholy, things that can contaminate the presence of the Lord. And then we must be separated from those moments in our life where ego gets in the way. <clears throat> You'll hear me talk about that. So let the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart be acceptable in thine sight, O oh Lord. It is our strength. You are our redeemer. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen, amen, amen. <clears throat> in Romans chapter number 12, if you can put that scripture up on today, I want to read that off the screen today. I'm reading out of the Amplified Bible. <clears throat> I like what this version says, the classic version 
of the Amplified Bible, it says here, For by the grace unmerited favor of God given to me, I warn everyone among you not to estimate and think of himself more highly than he ought. Look at this. Not to have an exaggerated opinion of his own importance, but to rate his ability with what? Sober judgment according to the degree of faith apportioned by God. I want to read that again, Brittany. Uh, for by the grace, unmerited favor of God given to me, what does he do? I warn everyone among you to not do what? Not to estimate and think of himself more highly than he ought not to have an exaggerated opinion of his own importance, but to rate his ability with what? Sober judgment, each according to the degree of faith apportioned by God to him. The power of a name rest right here God being made holy in my life is a reflection of verse number three it's a powerful sermonic text here the power of a name uh, we can see here that Paul points out several areas that I believe that affect our relationship with the father as it pertains to him being holy, set apart, and consecrated in our lives. Romans 12 and 3 um, points out several areas that I believe that affect, hinder, incapacitate our relationship with the Father as it pertains to Him being what? Holy, set apart, and consecrated in our lives. Number one, Paul points out that he is speaking, urging, making a plea through the grace, the charis, the grace, the Greek word, the charis, uh, the divine, unmerited, undeserved grace of God. He's speaking to the Gentiles, and he says that, that through the charis, the, the unmerited, I want you to keep that scripture up there, the unmerited favor of God, this is what I'm speaking through. I'm not speaking through my own. I'm not coming to you in an arrogant manner. I'm not coming to you with the disposition that says that I am better than you. But he says, uh, for by the grace, the, the grace, the grace, the grace that is attached to the gift of the apostleship that gives him the authority to teach the gospel of Jesus Christ to a Gentile nation. The grace, the charis, uh, uh, this grace that allows him to speak through his apostleship. 
He says, for through the grace, God's unmerited favor uh, that saved me, I'm speaking through that grace, the grace that has regenerated me, cleaned me up, uh, a grace that has turned me around from being the former persecutor of the church, and now I am the one that will be persecuted for the righteousness and the sake of the gospel. I speak to you through the grace that turned me around, the grace that knocked me off of the horse, the grace that has allowed me the gifting of an apostleship that will speak life into you. I warn you and I speak to you through this grace, through this grace. Think about your life. Every time you get up and you stand before someone and you speak, never underestimate that you're speaking not of a grace of your own, but you're speaking through the grace that God has placed on your life that allows you to be in the place that you're in today. If you're a school teacher, you've got to remember that you're speaking through a grace that was once I cut school. I probably smoked weed in the hallway. I probably got drunk over here. I probably did this. But through the grace of a redeemed crazy student, I speak to you through my authority. The grace. He's saying I, I, that there's a grace on my life. There's a grace on my life to speak to you in this manner. And so he says it here, for through this grace, then we flow into that next part. And through this grace, he says, number two, I warn everyone among you not to do what? Not to estimate and to think of himself more highly than he ought. Not to have an exaggerated opinion of his own importance. I, I really want you to think about that. He, he's not coming to you saying, uh, 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 everyone among you, I just want you to be so great and so wonderful. And uh, he says, no, no, let me, let me catch you right here because you've already, uh, uh, you've already offered yourself as a presentation to God. Verse number one, uh, you've been transformed, uh, regenerated by the renewing of your mind. So now that you've been regenerated, You've been brought from the old to the new. Now that you're no longer the old street daddy, and now that you have the word of God sound in your life, and you can understand the things of the Lord in a way that you've never understood it. You see signs, wonders, and miracles. Come on now. You're at a place in your life where you can pay your bills now. You're at a place in your life where you don't have to worry about being broke. You're at a place in your your life now where God really means something to you. You're at a place in your life where the glory of God rests upon your life. But he says, I warn you brothers uh, that you don't get to a place in your regenerated mind uh, in the renewing and the transforming spots of your mind uh, as you present your body as a living sacrifice uh, that you don't get to a point in your heart in your mind that you begin to think more highly of yourself than you ought. 
where your mind and your actions uh, are reflected through exaggerated opinions, come on now, of your own importance. Come on now. Uh, have you ever seen somebody uh, that was really nobody and everybody talked about them and they were this and they were that and once they got to where they were, uh, they didn't remember where they came from? Everything was an exaggerated opinion. Uh, they now know it all. Come on now. Uh, you just became saved yesterday. And now you're going to tell somebody how to build their marriage. Now you're going to tell somebody how to stop drinking when you just stopped drinking three hours ago. Come on now. God just delivered you last night. And now you're going to turn around and curse every drug dealer that you put on the corner. Come on now. Uh, now you're going to curse everybody in the club that you brought to the club come on now y'all hearing what I'm saying you know those type of people we're sitting here today we've all had a moment of exaggerated opinionated important things that concern us Paul is saying to us I want to warn you that you must be careful because you're only there because of the grace come on now an unmerited favor of grace come on now I'm only able to stand here and talk to you today because of the grace come on now the grace that rests on my father a grace that rests on my mama but then there is a grace come on now that rests on my father in heaven a grace that gives me the ability to be a bishop when my life was just raggedy and wretched, rebellious, come on now, sinful. But because of the grace of God, I want everyone among you to be very, very, very careful. Be careful uh, that, that, that you do not estimate come on I, I like that word estimate that means that you will sit down and you'll begin to build things uh, uh, that give you value come on now uh, when you're ready to sell property there is an estimation that they give you come on now uh, they give you an estimate for your car when you need to take it in they go and they search it out and they build the estimate and they build the price he said be careful that you don't start building estimates of how how great you are and how wonderful you are and how good you can speak and how much money you got now and how good you look all of the other stuff and it becomes so much to the point that it becomes an exaggerated opinion oh come on now because opinions are not always factual that's why they're called opinions come on now how many of us have exaggerated estimated opinions of importance of ourselves Come on, think about it. But now we say that God's holy in my life. Come on, now I'm going to take my time right here. Uh, uh, Paul says, uh, 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 meaning not to have an exaggerated opinion of oneself. He says that through the grace of unmerited favor, I warn you. What do I warn you? Not to be haughty in the grace that has forgiven reconciled and restored you back to your original intent because you forgot uh, uh, that your forefather Adam fell in sin. Uh, you forgot that your daddy David, uh, you, you forgot that your boy, uh, come on now, Samson, uh, uh, you forgot, come on now, that somewhere along your generations uh, there was a fall. 
I don't want you to become too haughty and think that your life was so clean, that your life was so pure now, uh, that, that you can just walk around and just be like, oh, you know, I'm God's own and I'm God's favorite. No, 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 be careful now. Be careful that you don't exaggerate and build an estimation that God is just looking at you as if you've never done anything. As if you are on his level. This is why he must become holy. Because when God becomes holy, it allows him to do what? To be holy and to live in our lives. He says, be careful not to be haughty. He says, be careful not to be arrogant to the point that our own opinions of ourselves outshine the grace, the charis that was given to us. Be careful that you're not haughty, but then be very, very careful that you don't become so arrogant that even grace doesn't like you anymore. Ooh, come on now. Uh, that even God's grace turns away and looks at you and says, uh, man, I can't even handle that. Come on now, because they're more important than me. you got to understand that you and I could never give ourselves grace. Come on now. You and I never even invented grace. Come on now. Grace is a characteristic and an attribute of a loving father, a perfect father, a wonderful father. Grace comes from the Father, not from yourself. I've never seen anybody give themselves grace. Come on, I, I've never seen anybody give themselves mercy. Come on now, uh, because if you could, there would be no sin in your life. Uh, there is grace because there is fault. There is grace and mercy because there is sin. Come on now, uh, there are character issues. There are flaws in our life that cause us, hallelujah, to do what? To kick God out of being holy in our life. Uh, he says not to be haughty. Not to be arrogant, but hear this, not to be prideful. Prideful to the point that no one is more important than me. That everything is about me. Every argument is about me. Every disagreement is about me. Uh, if they don't talk to me, it's about me. If they don't speak to me, it's about me. Maybe I did something. Uh, come on now. Uh, maybe I'm in the wrong. Uh, maybe they don't like me. It's an estimated, exaggerated opinion of importance. Come on now. Uh, you not liking yourself is an exaggerated opinion of importance. When God says that greater is he that is in me than he that is in the world when he says that I am for you than being against you come on now but you sit here and you say nobody loves me that God doesn't like me that is an estimated exaggerated opinion come on now that causes God not to be holy in your life it causes God to be the enemy it causes God to be the blame it causes you to serve God out of guilt it causes you not to trust it causes you to do things in your life because there is an exact exaggerated opinion that has affected you seeing God being holy in your life. And because that's so important, you spew it on other people. Come on, I like this here. Come on, I want you to hear this. The exaggerated opinion of importance that abides in the heart devalues, disregards, and disconnects us from allowing God to be holy in our life. 
I want to say that again. Come on now. Uh, The exaggerated opinion of importance. It does what? That, That abides in our heart. It devalues, disregards, and disconnects us from allowing God to be holy in our lives. Meaning what? That we must continually be renewed in our minds daily. I've got to renew my mind, Joshua, so much to the point that, that I'm able to understand when I'm operating in an exaggerated, estimated opinion of importance that causes me to lift it above what God says about me. Come on now. I, 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 I like what Sister Linda says. She, she says that our purpose is connected to God's plan and his will for us. And so if God's will is to prosper me, then I must deny myself the exaggerated, opinionated, estimated thought that I'm going to be broke the rest of my life that I'll never mean anything, that I'll never have anything. Come on now. We've got to put ourselves in a place where God is holy enough that even when the thought comes into my mind, I've got to be able to say, no, 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 no. no. You said that you would never leave me nor forsake me. You said that you've never seen your seed begging bread. You said that you would walk with me all the days of my life. You said that I shall live and not die. And so I rebuke every thought. I rebuke the exaggeration of what the doctor said. I rebuke the exaggeration of what the bills are saying right now that I'm going to fail. I'm going to lose. He says that you're the head and not the tail. He says that I'm above and not beneath. He says that I'm a lender and not a borrower. Think about it. Think about it. Think about it. Think about it. Come on now. Here we go. Casting down those high and lofty places of opinionated importance. Those deceptive and demonstrative thoughts that aid our ego to do what? Ego, edge God out. How many of you know that we have a spiritual ego that edges God out? Every time your exact our exaggerated, come on now, estimated, opinionated thoughts of importance uh, drive us, we edge God out. We're crossing him out. We're, we're pushing him out to the right, pushing him out to the left. We're kicking him out behind. Come on now. And we're kicking a field goal right through the goalpost. Come on now. I'm kicking him out in every way of my life because no matter what he says, everything that I think of myself is exaggerated to the point that I edge God out of being holy in my life. I edge God out of being a father to me. Come on now. Uh, uh, I abandon his paternity. Come on now. I abandon his purpose. I abandon his will. I abandon his statues and his commandments for me. And if you don't watch it, you'll start serving God out of an exaggerated place of, oh, dis- of disobedience, of dishonor. Like what Paul says here. He says... That through the grace given to me, number three, that you ought to be careful in doing this. So he says, uh, because I know many of you think this, he says right here, but to rate his ability with sober judgment. 
He says that if you're going to have an exaggerated opinion of yourself, uh, come on now. He says, rate your own ability with sober judgment, each according to the degree, the measure. Come on now, a faith apportioned by God. There, there is a measure. Come on now. Uh, a measure. He, he says, I, I want you to measure uh, your ability against the faith that God has apportioned to you. And if your degree or measure doesn't meet up to the faith that God has given you, then you're in sin. Oh, come on now. Huh? Then you have an exaggerated opinion of yourself. Uh, if, your, if, your, if your own opinion uh, can build mountains without faith, uh, then you have exaggerated your own importance. Come on now. Huh? If you can heal yourself without having the faith that God is going to heal you of whatever sickness, whatever disease you have, uh, then you have an exaggerated opinion of importance of yourself. Come on now. If you can provide for yourself uh, where it it seems so impossible where you can become the possible and God now is nothing then you have exaggerated yourself because I don't know anybody here that ever gave themselves the faith that God gave you. He gave us faith to do what? To move mountains come on now. Without faith it's impossible to please God come on now. Faith come on now. Without works is dead. Come on now. Y'all ain't hearing it. It's by faith that I I am saved. It's by faith that the just shall do what? Live by faith. Oh, y'all ain't hearing what I'm saying. I need faith to wake up in the morning. I need faith to make it back home. I need faith to make sure that God is going to keep me in my right mind when I look at my bills, when I look at my life. I need faith to bring me through. If your importance of exaggerated estimations are bigger than that, then you got to understand that you're serving an idol God in your life and he says to have what no other gods before me come on Rev stay with me stay with me he says that we should do what rate yourself your ability with what sober judgment have you ever seen a sober drunk I'm asking you a question. See, see, y'all miss what I'm saying. Y'all don't hear what I said. Have you ever seen a sober drunk on the street? I have. I used to see him on the corner all the time. He was sober enough to tell you, don't you do what I'm doing. See, my mama told me not to drink, but I didn't listen to her. And now I'm standing out here. But, but your daddy, a preacher, and you know better. See, he's sober enough. See, so you got to be careful when you look at that word sober because it doesn't always mean what you think it means. Come on now. You can be drunk. You can be awful in your character. But when the Holy Ghost, when the power of God has already found an inch of a place in your life, that's all it needs 
to remind you that you can be sober even if you're standing on the corner selling drugs. You can be sober enough to hear God say, I need you to get off this corner because they're getting ready to come by here and there's going to be a drive-by. But if you keep standing here, you're going to lose your life. He says, be sober enough in your judgment that you can hear God tell you, you're too high, you're too arrogant, you're too prideful. He says, be sober enough in your exaggerated, estimated opinions of yourself that you can hear God say, turn around, baby. I need you to come back to me. You haven't prayed in three days. And because you ain't prayed in three days, your mind feels that it can do what it wants to. Your mind is thinking thoughts that it, that it was never thinking because you've not been sober. In the middle of chaos, be sober. Come on now. In the middle of chaos, there is soberness in the middle of the storm. Come on now. We, we, we see it in hurricanes all the time. Uh, when they fly into the hurricane, uh, uh, the safest place is in the eye of the hurricane. It's in the middle. But guess what? You've got to first fly through the chaos to get to the peace. Come on now. Y'all ain't hear what I'm saying. God wants to break through your chaos so that he can be peaceful in your life. He can be holy in your life. God's not looking for you to clean yourself up. God's not looking for you to make yourself right. He wants to break through what is right, unrighteous in your life. He wants to break through every immoral, everything that dishonors him he wants to break through it so once he breaks through it he will destroy it and then there becomes a peace of God's holiness come on y'all with me when God becomes holy sober judgment can I give you that it is having the right mind sober in thought I'm sober to make the right choices. I'm sober enough to understand that I'm speaking through an exaggerated, opinionated, estimated thought of pain, of bitterness, rejection, abandonment. Come on now. This is why we got to listen in, in this season. We, we've got to listen to this generation because they believe that they are entitled. Can I say it? To their own exaggerated, opinionated, estimated thought of who God is. This generation will tell you who God is from their own exaggerated, opinionated importance of themselves. This generation has has devalued God to just being personal to them. Everybody has their own, their own, exaggerated, opinionated, estimated, important thought of who God is only to them. So we can be in a room and there'd be 30 different gods. There'd be 30 different truths of opinions of exaggeration that says God don't love me. God don't care about me. God don't mean nothing to me. 
And then you ask them, what God are you talking about? That God. Who's that God? Come on now, until you can define who's that God, then you cannot use that statement because until you give a definition of the word that you're using, then it has no void, then it has no character, there is no conversation about it. Until you can identify why you don't like that God, who's that God, what God? Come on now, what what God are you talking about? I just came right down the lane. Come on now. There are so many exaggerated opinions in the church now of who God is. Can I tell you who he is? He's nothing but God. He's nothing but the God that he's always been and will always be. The same today, yesterday, and forevermore will he just be G-O-D, God. God all by himself, holy, sovereign, righteous, perfect in all of his ways. God. When God becomes holy in our lives, it does what? It destabilizes the arrogant and lofty things of the mind. I want to say that again. When God becomes holy, In one's lives, it destabilizes the arrogant and lofty things of the mind. When God, when God becomes holy in our lives, it destabilizes. Come on, I want you to lift your hand. For God to be holy in your life, Sims, we all know. We all know, Rev, Tracy, that he becomes a destabilizer. It destabilizes the arrogant and lofty things of the mind. Because God doesn't dwell in anything that continues to be impure and unholy and unclean. I know, I I know, family, I, I know. Somebody's going to say, Bishop, well, none of us have perfect thoughts. He didn't ask you to have a perfect thought. He said, just have the mind of Christ. Come on, the, the Bible can the Bible can confront any excuse that you have. He didn't ask you to be perfect. He says, just love the Lord your God and have no other gods before me. <laughs> That's all he asks you to do. Well, well, I mean, nobody's ever gonna do everything right. He 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 says, if you love me enough, then you'll just obey my commands. Every excuse you have, God has thousands of responses that can check you and clap back at y'all. Well, I mean, you know, I mean, I just really don't have the time. He never asked you for time. He just says, give me your life. He just says, just follow me. And I'll make you fishers of me. He never really asked you to do anything hard. But because 
of an undestabilizing factor of exaggerated, opinionated thoughts of importance, we edge God out from being holy in our life. I want you to do this as you stand on your feet. I want you to take heed in this season to every exaggerated opinion of importance. Number two, beware of the idle spaces that rest in your mind that are doing what? That are secretly harboring exaggerated opinions of yourself. This week, I, your, your homework assignment, I, I like what E. Dewey Smith said. Uh, he, he, he said that, that his mentor... Uh, the, the late, great Matt King Carter, he, 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 says, uh, uh, he says that he always told him, he says that the job of a preacher is to give homework. That your lesson should yield homework. <laughs> See, I got homework. What's my homework? My, my homework is to, is to do what David said right there over in the division of Psalms. He says, search my heart, O Lord, and see if there is any wicked way. Uh, Lord, as, as we go throughout our week, as we prepare to, to, to allow you to rest and, and to legislate and to be holy in our life for the rest of our lives, uh, we want to do what? We want to take heed in this season to every exaggerated opinion of importance. I'm nothing. I'm never going to be this. I'm never going to do it. Whatever you have allowed to become so important because it's exaggerated in your mind, I want you to take heed to it. What does it mean to take heed? See it. Own it. Don't give it to God. You own it. And let God take it away. Let God show you how to become who he's called you to be. And then, and then number two, we want to be aware. Here's the homework. We want to be aware of the idle spaces of our mind that are doing what? Secretly harboring exaggerated opinions of ourselves. Come on, let's pray. Lift your hands. Lift your hands. I want you to just see it now. Every area of your life, whether it might be emotional, mentally, physically, financially, spiritually, see it now in every area of your life. What has become so exaggerated to the point that you can't even hear God telling you how to move forward. You can't see that God has already brought you out of the storm, but because of the exaggeration of your heart and your mind, not being sober enough to hear, not being steady and settled in God, you still believe you're in a storm when the storm has ended three years ago. When the storm has been over for three days now, you're no longer in a storm, but because you can only see from the storm that you were in because you were frustrated and, and you were hurt, you were broken. Everything about this new life is seen through an exaggerated opinion of importance. You built such an estimated 
value that it's now exaggerated in friendships. It's exaggerated in marriages and between fathers and mothers, sons and daughters, brothers and sisters. Families are broken because of the exaggeration of opinions. So, Father, we take heed that we cast down every high and lofty thought. Come on, I want you to say that yourself. Just, I cast it down. I, I cast down every exaggerated, estimated opinion of importance that draws itself above who you are to me. Father, nothing is that important that I have to edge God out of my life because I would rather be bitter than God making me whole. I would rather be the drunk on the street because I don't really want to deal with the pain of rejection that my father gave me because I grew up fatherless. So I'd rather be the angry man. I'd rather stay angry than just allow God, hallelujah, to become holy in my life. And so I edge God out because I'd rather keep this pain because keeping the pain makes me important. It makes me important in the conversation because people now like to hear my sob story and it gets people to comfort me in my pity party but God says that I want you to be made whole you've been bleeding too long and Jesus is here today and he simply says will you just reach out and touch the hem of my garment will you allow virtue to be pulled from me in such a way that I turn around and I said who touched me can I be holy enough in your life to heal you, to deliver you? Father, so this is our prayer. Forgive us for walking in moments, in years, in days, months of exaggerated opinions of importance of ourselves. Forgive us Forgive us. Forgive us now. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. Let this be our prayer. <laughs> Come on, put your hands together. <laughs> peace to the family. Peace to the bishop. And peace to us all. Amen.